World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi everyone, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you of all the really great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out all the online seminars and workshops we do, as well as our team development programs. You'll also find articles on topics to help you thrive at work. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the World of Work podcast. We are in February 2022 now and today we've got a really exciting conversation lined up. We're going to be speaking to Fiona McBride and we're going to be exploring a conversation that started as a focus on mindfulness but has broadened a little bit more beyond that now to reflect the role of pausing and slowing down and intentionality and things like that in our lives. So if we just start at the beginning, Fiona, could you introduce yourself and say a little bit about yourself and your background to the audience, please? Hiya, yes. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, My name's Fiona McBride. I'm a learning consultant, so I'm freelance, and um, I've been freelancing now for, gosh, actually just recently, nine years. Wow. Weird, actually, if I think think about it. Just like a long time now. Um, I work with um, a variety of different clients, um, different sectors, different industries. I kind of go in and support learning development teams, learning development professionals in their work. I do a lot of facilitation. And I'm also a yoga teacher, which might give you a little bit of a clue as to why I also find this topic very interesting. Brilliant. It's great to have that crossover. I I love it when personal interests coalesce around our work interests and and we get all that sort of intersectionality. That's really, really fun. And I'm very excited about today's topic and I'm glad it's broadened beyond just mindfulness to to be taking in some of these other areas. I I guess I want to just start with a sort of observation or or a, a question and that's around how most people tend to feel about their work at the minute. You know, one of the senses I get is if I go out and if I have a conversation with somebody and I ask them, how are you doing? quite often people will come back and say, yeah, good, busy, right? And it just feels like like busyness is all around us, despite having been through a pandemic and all this kind of stuff. It feels like people are busy. What's your take on it? Do you get the sense that most people live in a, a space of feeling busy or, or how do you feel? And how do you feel we value that, that state of being busy? Yes, yeah, so I agree that I've, I find that that is a common response, that oh yeah, I'm busy or things are really busy or things are quite hectic. And can I just say from the off, I've also been that person that says that too. So just (laughs) not knocking that at all. Um, And I find that really interesting because of course it is, our lives are, aren't they? The world of work is ever changing and busy. And then everything outside of work that we have to do, you know, with see friends, be with family, hobbies, all the things, you know, um, keep us busy I think I find it quite interesting though the word because I don't know what you think but I wonder it feels like that term has a negative kind of connotation to it sometimes that oh I'm busy and then you know what kind of comes after that word is maybe negativity um because actually, if we're focused and we're productive and we're occupied, if we've got things happening that we're interested in, isn't that a good thing? But I think I've seen more so in recent years, the word be used. And then, yes, what follows that is 
um, maybe maybe it's a code word maybe for like overworked or stressed you know which is a serious issue obviously or not supported or too much on your plate you know those kind of descriptors um, yeah so I'm kind of quite interested in the use yeah the use of that word and actually it's behind it yeah, and I'd, I'd echo that a little bit. I mean, I, I, I feel that it can lead to that sort of negative connotation or uh, a bit of an indicator of being too busy. But at the same time, I also feel that sometimes it's a bit of a badge of honor. It's a bit of a, you know, I'm demonstrating my social worth. Look at me. I like, I'm busy. I've got so much demand on me. And because I have that demand, it, it means that I must be a, a valuable producer in my social circle or in my workplace. So I feel like it's that, that, that sort of dual edge. You know, there's a little bit of, of complexity around it, I think. Yeah, and I th- I wonder as well if there's something around that kind of desire for some people, that desire to be seen as competent or as smart um, or as capable or as good as um, our peers, you know, like um, there's something in that too. And then also, <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this, obviously, as we were talking about doing this, having this conversation, um, is that I wonder um, if we are always busy, if there's always something happening and going on, then maybe that means we don't have to focus on some other stuff. So maybe there's something about, I don't know, the reality could kick in around something. I could pick anything out of the air, you know. Um, We might have to address an actual issue that's happening somewhere else in our life or in the the work work life, of course. Um, So by being busy and having that, yeah, I'm really busy, things are really hectic, actually it helps us to avoid, for the want of a better word, something else. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I had a conversation a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago with somebody and we were talking about, I guess, life in general. And the phrase they used at one point was, there's nothing as scary as an empty calendar. And I was just like, wow, isn't, isn't that like a fascinating take? This is somebody who's really quite senior in the world of business, like, you know, heavily, heavily occupied in the workplace. And I just thought that was so interesting. And, and like for me, there's so much embedded in there about how we think about that empty space and what, what you know, what we need to do to fill that. So I, I do get the sense that we derive value from being, biz- from being busy and it brings us good stuff. And we, we derive self-worth from it. You know, people think that we are valuable if we are busy. And then I guess the inverse of that is, if we aren't busy, sometimes we can hold that heavily as a reflection of who we are. But also, like you say, if we have this void to fill, this emptiness to fill, that can be a real challenge. And I guess there are different aspects to that challenge. I, I guess it, it can be, as you alluded, that we need to address certain aspects of our lives or our existence that we might not want to. So there could be mental health or other aspects that, that sort of creep into that. But then there can also, I, I suppose, be some sort of competence type thing wherein we probably feel some need to turn that time into something that feels useful for us as individuals, as rewarding for us. And that can be difficult in itself. It can take um, self-direction. It can take creativity. It can take all those things. But sometimes if we live on a treadmill, we lose our ability to to do. I guess it's, uh, you know, something that's just popped into my mind. It's kind of like Google Maps. You know, if we have Google Maps, it'll tell us how to get somewhere. If we have our time blocked out for us and we're busy, it'll tell us how to use our time. And if we take those things away, we need to navigate our own way through life, which can be a bit of a funny thing. Yeah. That's really intrigued me, that person saying that. Because if if or when, you know, my calendar is clear, so often it 
I almost physically can sometimes like breathe a sigh of relief, you know. I wonder as well as I was hearing that, you know, being a freelancer, it to have big gaps of space in your diary can sometimes be quite scary. So to be non-busy, whatever word we would use, um, can be a scary thing. Um, yeah, and and that piece around needing to keep I know we're not focusing specifically on freelancers in this conversation but I think it's quite interesting about that that need to kind of keep going and keep kind of getting out there and bringing work in so actually if I'm having a down point a quieter point recognizing that that's good and allowing that to be a thing and giving myself that space to slow down to restore to rest and and etc which I know we'll come on to yeah so, so if we think a little bit more about that busyness in itself, what do you think some of the real benefits are for us as individuals of being busy? And what do you think some of the things that we sort of lose are if we're always busy? I suppose if it's a productive, <laughs> if it's a productive busy, then I suppose it is that piece around getting things done, achieving that, you know, that drive, that sense of worth from doing achieving something and maybe if you're working with other people then it it brings in that sense of teamwork or that sense of helping others you know so it goes it ripples wider doesn't it than just yourself it just struck me that some of the things that you called out were some of those sort of underlying factors that fit behind certain well-being type models where where you look at things like achievement you can look at things like engagement in your work you can look at things like you know relationships and and some of some of that aspect so all of that stuff really does feel like it fits in with aspects of subjective well-being what do you think some of the things are that we might lose if we are busy all the time or well you know what's the cost of being busy all the time yeah um so I suppose there's something around um, if we're moving that quickly, if we are that busy, then are we ever truly doing our best in each task or in each situation, right? Because if we're rushing, if there's a pace that's quite speedy, we're getting things done and we're really busy, then we might miss a trick, as they say. Um, I also wonder about health physical and mental health that's a big thing in all of this for me is that if we're constantly in that um fast paced environment if it's constantly that the sympathetic kind of nervous system in its fight or flight mode you know there's a lot of adrenaline running and we're kind of you know keeping going keeping pushing through then long term that is not good for our well-being it's not good for our physical or mental health so that's a big one i think and how do you think our, our like ability to function is affected by stopping. I, I guess I'm asking because for myself, I, I sometimes feel that in some ways I do my best thinking or I have my best ideas or I'm creative in these spaces between my busyness. So my, my unintentional passive thinking can be really great for me. So so I find that if I focus on something, I, I, I achieve a certain type of productivity and output. But at the same time, if I sleep on something, if I go away from something, if I leave something in the back of my mind and distract myself with other things, I can find that I come back with clarity and certainty where in the past I didn't. What, what's your experience of that? Yeah, I, I think clarity is a word that um, definitely resonates with me. I also think there's something about like processing time. So in those spaces between, in those spaces where actually we can slow down a little bit, then we allow our brain 
to catch up. <laughs> we allow our thoughts to kind of sit and kind of just be a little bit more, don't we? And there's, um, if we can be more curious and a bit more creative. And I think there is definitely, I've definitely read, there's like research out there that shows us that curiosity is an intrinsic human trait, like that we're naturally like that, we're naturally curious, which means that actually if we can foster that a little bit more, like in our day-to-day, then there's definitely a big benefit for us as individuals, but also within organisations. And I don't think we always allow for that. We don't recognise individually and so within organisations, within teams, that actually to slow down and to allow ourselves to think things through and to um, be a little bit curious and ask maybe a few more questions, that can be extremely helpful when we then get back into the work or get back into the busyness. I love that image of slowing down and letting your brain catch up. I think that's such a, a powerful image. It's got the you know the motive force that, that's in there, the, the pressure of the business that we have. Um, how how do you describe those moments of seeking tranquility? What is that to you, and, and where does it appear in in your life and your existence? Hmm. <laughs> you might have got me there. That's a really good question. How do they appear? Do you know sometimes they're planned? So sometimes they appear because they're planned in. I'd say probably most people do plan a bit of downtime, right? That's quite, I mean, the the way we work with being like that five, typical, like five day working week, two day weekend thing, right? That's almost planned in. Um, but at other points, so like um, having quieter evenings in the week or having slower starts to your morning or having slightly longer lunch break or, you know, all those little places where you can drop in a bit of planned restfulness slowing down kind of feel important and appear one of the things that's in my mind about how one you know is calm is something that that i struggle with a little bit which is permission and guilt around it if i feel that i am not keeping myself busy personally that brings a weight of guilt to me and i almost feel that some sort of structured calming is a helpful thing to me so maybe there's something in that 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 different people take i I think the ability to to fully switch off and take unstructured tranquility unplanned tranquility can can be hard but i'd be interested in in your thoughts about can we structure tranquility can we create senses of sanctuary can we bring those into our own lives through habits and routines and and can we do anything to bring those into workplaces in a way that that doesn't feel like totally kooky and out there but that is helpful for our workplaces there's like 15 questions in there (laughs) (laughs) i guess we just start what are your thoughts about that that sort of like structured tranquility and ways that we can find moments of that in our existence yeah and and thank you i i think i'm pretty certain that most people know that they need to slow down and pause like we recognize it as a thing but many people can't right and we've kind of touched on that a bit already and in fact I think some people actually will step up their busyness to even kind of overlap that you know um and I wondered as well as I was listening to you just then I was thinking quite often rest and relaxation and slowing down can be seen as a reward or a treat and then we maybe can only get that when we've worked hard enough but actually when would that be because 
the world is mad. <laughs> we are all busy in many different ways. Organizational life is constant and changing. There's always something coming up next. Um, so actually, if we don't try and find these spaces and build them in and acknowledge that they are useful to the busyness, they help, these slowing down spaces can help with the times that are busy, that do need our energy and our drive. That's that's really important. And, and um, there are a number of things that I've worked on with clients in the last few years, and they're more so as I've developed my yoga teaching, because um, I've been able to bring more of that into my world of learning consultancy, which I never thought would be a thing. It's quite bizarre still, um, around slowing down and pausing and taking a breath and seeing that as a tool, as a technique to then getting back into work and keeping going and keeping energy levels at healthy energy levels. Um, and it can be as much as for some people, some of my clients can be as much as, you know, getting away from the desk. And I know this sound, people listening might even just be like, really? Like we all know we're meant to get up and move around, but it's really true. If you move your body in a different way and you give your eyes something different to look at and your brain something different to focus on, that can be a refreshing kind of moment in itself to then help you when you sit back down and you go into your next meeting. And that can be a couple of minutes. That doesn't have to be half an hour walking, you know, around or an hour's yoga class. It literally can be a couple of minutes and that can help your brain to switch a little. Um, there's some lovely kind of facilitative techniques around like um, for groups as well, not just for individuals in the workplace, but um, there's lovely kind of group activities that I utilize through liberating structures, which are these lovely group activities that um, can be done in small groups and large groups. And some of them are done in silence. And then you give people individual reflection time, then you come together in small groups and start to share, and then you get into bigger groups and share a bit more. And they're a really nice way to switch up a conversation and give people that pausing moment, that thinking space, that slowing down opportunity before being asked to then contribute and give ideas and then work together, which I really like. Um, and then there's another thing that um, came to mind, which you might have heard of, is street wisdom which if you haven't heard of it before, I'd fully recommend just put street wisdom into your internet search browser and um, you will be able to find some resources. It's all free. It's amazing. And that is exactly what we're talking about. It's taking an opportunity to slow down, move the body by walking and just giving your brain that chance to settle and then maybe see new things and then start to think about ideas and be curious and come up with different thoughts, ideas and workings out, you know. Yeah, there's some, some lovely stuff in there. And, and this link back to creativity seems to come up so much in, in these conversations about finding a pause, finding space for tranquility, finding, finding space to, like you said, let your brain catch up. That, that seems to be a really common theme here. Um, I really resonated with your description of rest being a reward. Um, that totally sums me up. I think different people are different, but my personal experience is that I wake up with 
uh, a sense of a need to do things and be busy. And once I've done my busyness, I can switch off. Um, in many ways, I'm kind of the opposite of a procrastinator and I don't feel able to do nothing until I've done something. And and, and I think that's something that, that is, um, that's interesting that I, I think speaks to that sort of fear of an empty calendar and, and how does one get that achievement reward and, and satisfy that sense of needs that one has before one can be busy. And, and that's something that personally I, I strive to work on because I'd like to see being tranquil as a good thing in itself and, and and not something that needs to be taken as a reward, but something that is as valuable in many ways as being busy. You know, I, I'm trying to reframe it for myself as an investment that sort of improves my well-being, improves my productivity, improves my lived experience, improves the impact that I have on others. And so trying to trying to hold on to that is great. But at the same time, like many people, I sit down on my desk and don't move for X number of hours because I get sucked into something and my brain ticks over and, and that's that's the bit that, that's really there. Um, I think it would be really interesting, actually, Will you, have you seen in the press um, about this introduction of this testing of a four-day working week? And the on productivity I personally haven't yet sat down and started to properly um, read into it but it's definitely on my to-do list to pay attention to because I think that could be a really lovely example of actually if we give people a little bit more downtime how much they can ramp up their productivity I mean there's data out there already that's showing that it's a good thing um, but I think this is it something like 30 companies or 30 organizations in the UK have signed up to it I think yeah, I'm not sure. I've read things from other countries and I know there's stuff going on, but I've not looked at it specifically. It would be fascinating. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting to kind of watch that space and see see what happens. Um, I was wondering as well, as we've been talking about, um, it's, it's, I know it feels really, it's, it's easy to say people should take a pause, people should slow down, but actually it's not easy to do. And I really think it's important to like recognise that. And there'll be lots of reasons why. And for some people, it'll be really deep reasons. For some people, it'll be because that's what they've never, they've never been able to do it before. So what, what do I do? Um, and I often think that can be the hardest thing because it can feel really alien for people um, to actually be still and to be still in their body, but also acknowledging that the mind doesn't just suddenly stop working. So we might slow down and stop moving, but the brain keeps thinking and planning and kind of, yeah, it's ticking over. So there's something about that physical act of stillness, which is, or slowing down, which is good for the physical body. But I think there's something for the, the mind as well, where we have to maybe be patient and um, give ourselves a bit of a break, especially if, it's not something we're used to doing. I, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, we, we in, in so many of our conversations, we often talk about the mind and body being these different things. And we certainly conceptualize them as that. And, and we hold on to them in a lot of a way that we see the world is anchored on that sort of dualism. And, and I guess, you know, some people would argue more of it. There is more of that connection between them, which I think is really interesting. And I think that whole pausing and some of the things you've spoken about, about moving really comes to the fore when we think about that. Um, with that difficulty around pausing, I 100% echo that and, and see that in many, many different people. And I, and I think there are a couple of things that, that underlie it. And, and one is that, you know, our minds are loud, right? Like the mind is just a loud thing for many people. Um, and if we don't 
keep ourselves busy, then then it can fill that vacuum of space. And sometimes what it fills that vacuum of space with is unpleasant or unhelpful or distracting. And so maybe for some people it's less <laughs> relaxing and tranquil to be calm or try to be calm than others. And, and another thing is that I know that for some people, the world can be a bit of an overwhelming place as well. You know, the physical scale, the infinity of the world, all those things. If one actually thinks about them, that can be a daunting thing in itself. So I think I think there's something difficult about slipping into pure existence without all that distraction. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm literally sitting here nodding my head <laughs> for everything. Um, and I see this the most, or it's most obvious to me when I teach yoga, because I teach a number of different types of yoga, but my main one is restorative. And that's where you come into a yoga studio or you're at home and you lie down and you're propped up with things with like um, pillows and cushions and you have blankets on you and you're, you've got layers on because you want to keep warm and you lie still for potentially up to like 15 minutes in like a shape on the floor, like in a posture on the floor. And so often um, in the yoga world, people see the other kind of yoga, which is the fast paced flow movement on the mat, standing up, handstands, balancing craziness um, as the hard stuff. But I really don't think it is because when people come into the studio with me and I'm asking them to lie down and be still and be with themselves and their mind and their body and everything that comes with that for an hour, that's hard work. And I get that. That's like really hard work. Um, but there's different things we can do to kind of help people drop in into that and to try it and to see how it feels and just to be with it and go with it and see what comes up. And that can be really, really powerful for people. Um, so I think there's something about actually, yeah, remembering that it might not happen straight away and being okay with that and being patient with yourself. But if you're recognizing that, a few more breaks and a few more pauses might be useful for you, whatever they look like, walking, listening to music, doesn't have to be lying down in meditation or restorative yoga. Um, it will all benefit you in that moment and in the long term. And that's, the, I think that's the key really. Restorative yoga sounds brilliant, by the way. I didn't know that that was a thing, but that's that it sounds like it's right up my street. I've done other yoga and, and sometimes I just lie down on the floor on my own just to like have a little rest. Um, and that sounds absolutely wonderful to me. I, I think I find, this is why I find this whole topic so interesting because people get energized by exercise, don't they? So you can be energized by going running or you can be energized and refreshed by going to a yoga class where you're moving constantly. But the body can be really restored by slowing down and stopping. So physically within the body, you're taking that switch from the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's often referred to as rest and digest, which is literally what it does, like what it says on the tin, that's what it does. Because you're allowing your body to slow and to settle. You're allowing muscles to relax, bones to get heavy. And you're allowing your mind just to, yes, the mind might be a bit kind of busy but it's also slowing in a way and your breath is slowing down and all that is a brilliant way to restore and to bring energy back to yourself you know in that moment and like I say kind of in the days to come and kind of it's it's really powerful um one of the things 
that sometimes is on my mind when we think about this stuff. We we clearly know there are benefits to it, and it's still hard to do. And we know that creating habits are hard and all that kind of stuff. What do you think we can do or say to leaders or managers about bringing in space for calmness and tranquility? How can we sell the benefit of this for individuals and organizations and and sort of maybe shift that narrative away from the need to be actively producing at each moment to building in these other things and seeing them as this sort of social good as well? So is that where we're coming back to the piece around if we have, if we're a bit slower, if we can have a little bit more space to think and to gain clarity and to have reflection time, then all that stuff means that we can be more productive, that we, when we are then focused on the work, we are more focused on the work. We have more attention and we have maybe um, greater ideas or different ideas because we've had a little bit of space and time to think about things. Yeah, I think I think there's something in that. And and how do how might we get you know leaders to believe in this stuff and to really see that there's more value in that? How, is that something that you think we can do, or or how do you work with leaders to yeah. help them see value more in this and believe in it? Yeah, I think I'm always really careful because obviously I'm talking about this and I'm really passionate about it, but I get that it's not for everyone. So. I'm sure some people maybe listening to this will be thinking, well, I get it, but actually I don't find that being that busy, you know, is that detrimental to me? You know, everyone has their different place. So when I'm talking with managers and leaders, I invite them to consider themselves and think about what's their busyness, how's their kind of day or week kind of built up and where do they maybe need to, and the language obviously is different for different people, but like switch things up or maybe take pauses or build in reflection time or reflective practices in ways that are work focused. Because what I find is if I go in there with a do this for yourself and it'll be great and you'll really benefit from it, sometimes there's a bit of resistance. So if I go in there with a if we do these things, it can help our productivity. It can help you to have better team meetings. It means you might listen to each other more effectively and you might be heard more. You know, those that kind of language often works better at first when it's quite an alien concept. And starting with the managers first and exploring it with them is really good because once they get on board, it's easier for them. In my experience, it's easier for them to then kind of sell that out to the team. Plus, if you're someone in the team and you hear your manager saying these things, but you see them doing it too, then it gives you so much more permission to then try it for yourself. So there's that kind of take on it, I think. Um, And then, yeah, asking the managers to check in with the team and, and get their ideas on how this can be done. And so some teams that I've worked with, some managers, sorry, that I've worked with with their teams, They've put, they've all agreed as a team to put little spaces in their diaries and there's like a team code, you know, like a code word for chill or something, you know. So they agree that actually if they see chill in someone's diary, they're going to maybe try their best, unless it's an emergency at work, to leave that space free and not kind of ask for that time as a meeting or to make sure they finish the meeting on time so that person can get to that more restful space. Um, that's just kind of one <laughs> one example. Um, but I also think there's something about that culture within the organisations about um, moving. And it's OK if you're away from your desk, you're still being productive. So just because you're not sat at your desk, um, you know, we presenteeism and that's a whole other <laughs> topic you could talk about and explore. But um, 
So, you know, being away from your desk and letting your brain think and work things out and ask questions of yourself or of a colleague in a slightly different setting, like walking, you know, together or being on a call, but walking around outside your house or in your garden or around your house um, can be so beneficial. And you're still working because your brain is still ticking over and you're still working things out and you're kind of planning and all the stuff. Well, you talked there a little bit about uh, reflective practices for managers. Could you say a little bit more about those? Yeah, and that, there's many different um, ways that people can be reflective in their work. Um, there's really simple things and there's complicated things. Um, but So for some managers, it could be a case of at the end of every day, before they finish work, um, they have four or five minutes where they sit They've turned off kind of email or whatever, put the phone on silent and sit and reflect on the day and how it's been. And it could just be an open kind of reflection. It could be not specifically themed in any way. It'd just be how was today? That It could just be that simple question. Um, for some people, they like structure. So they might have decided for themselves or with me kind of a number of kind of questions that would be useful reflection questions for them to guide them in their reflective practice a little and so it could be like what went well today what could have been better what might I do differently tomorrow and it allows that kind of um, settling down and that uh, processing of the kind of the day and how it's been And it's also quite a nice way to then switch off then from the day to have captured your thoughts to then go into the rest of your day, whatever that is, or your evening, and then come back into work um, and kind of check back in. And some people will do that by, yeah, literally sitting and having a couple of minutes and thinking. Some people will do that on their commute home or walking the dog, you know, like or going for a walk or a run. Some people might like to write it down. So there's some lovely practice, reflective practice where you can write and get it down like through the pen onto the paper. And then it can be a helpful record for some people too, you know, to then come back to in that way. Some people do um, voice note kind of journaling. So they'll re- record onto their smartphone um, and then kind of come back to that. Um, but it's a really it's a really nice way of sorting through your thoughts, maybe sense making, maybe not, but just allowing that space for whatever emotion is there and whatever feelings have been there throughout the day just to be, I suppose, acknowledged, maybe processed a little bit. And then for some people, they can move on. And I wonder if that's another piece around this topic that I think is really important is like when we slow down, we gain that ability to maybe experience our emotions more whereas we don't necessarily when things are super fast super busy and we're kind of non-stop because our emotions and our gut feelings are there for a reason and they tell us a lot and they can be really helpful it can be very helpful to acknowledge why did I feel irritated oh that was such a win I feel the success or why didn't I feel pleased when they told me this you know and and just process and sit with that a little bit yeah a lot of what you described there makes me think a little bit of transitioning between states. And I I imagine it helps introduce sort of boundaries between one state of being and another state of being. So I'd imagine that that things like this help us transition potentially from a busy to a less busy state in a helpful way. And not everyone needs that. And that's why I say it's it's quite individual, isn't it? But for some people, they need a tool or a technique just to help them along the way with that a little bit because we can't really expect people to go from this busy state and then suddenly stop 
that's quite unfair. And that's the same in in yoga and restorative yoga. I don't just get people to come into a room and we suddenly stop and don't move for an hour. We do small movements and we make movements with our hands. We do breathing practices to help the body to transition into that different state. So it's yeah, that's a nice word. That transitioning. You know, what little transition can you do today to help you shift a little bit? Um, can be really really beneficial. If if there's a sort of manager out here listening and, and they'd like to bring a little bit more of this calm and tranquility and, and maybe, you know, challenge some of the, the volume of busyness in their teams um, for the benefits that, that doing so brings into their teams. Have you got any thoughts on, on, you know, maybe one thing that you'd recommend them do to learn more or one way that they could start um, doing things differently in their team or, or with their team? Some pathway in for them. What, what's your experience of helping people introduce this as a way of working? So some managers can easily say to their team members, right, I feel like it would be helpful if we did X, what could we do? And the team have loads of ideas and then, you know, typical kind of let's vote on one and give it a try for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Um, And I think that's really nice because then you're kind of getting those ideas from the people that you're trying to support rather than making a load of assumptions about what you think is the right thing. Um, Plus the other point to that is that, Um, you're maybe trying it for a couple of weeks so the first thing you ever try might not be the right thing and that's okay so maybe see it as like a little experiment and think ah next week we're going to try and um, all have a bit more of a break away from the screens how might we do that what could be kind of quick wins or you know everyone loves that term don't they Um, nothing too kind of heavy going or too much planning involved and just see what little things can be brought in or tried Um, I think it is Again, it does a lot of this comes back to culture. So I've worked, when I talk to managers, say well, you have to be really clear. So if you are genuinely saying to your team that you you really want them to slow down a bit, take a few more pauses, whatever the language is you're going to use, then keep reiterating that point and also mirror that yourself a little bit or talk about how you've been finding it too. Um, and then there's loads of like free resources out there as well. So um on my website i'm going to put up short i'll be putting up shortly like a little gallery of like a two minute breath awareness video and um you know we have the internet nowadays so there's loads out there but finding like a couple of little resources that you can um just utilize that guide somebody through slowing down and stopping for all of two minutes you know it doesn't have to be like i said earlier it doesn't have to be kind of half an hour an hour um and, and showing people that they can have access to that and, again, give them permission to use it. Um, and and I, do, I, I'm, I do a lot of management leadership development and I really just have to repeat myself like a broken record, but it really is like practice what you preach and talk about your experience of it um, because then people will learn from that and they'll hear that and that gives them that permission. Lovely. That, that role modelling and sort of application of leader attention is so powerful when it comes to shaping what's what's in your team i really liked your reference there to asking the team as well to doing that little bit of invitation and, and you know maybe set a bit of direction and invite people to to shape what those building blocks could be for them i think that's a, a really brilliant thing um okay well i think that's uh, us just about to the end of time would you be able to let people know a little bit more about how they can learn more about you and what you're up to 
Yeah, um, so you'll find me on social media. So Fiona McBride is my Twitter handle. Um, I've got a website, fionamcbride.com. Um, also, all my yoga stuff is um, on social media as well, on Instagram. So just Fiona McBride Yoga. And, and I love talking to people about this. So if you've heard anything that's interesting and you just wanted to check in on an idea or just ask me a couple of questions, then please just send me a dm or an email or give me a ring and we could talk about it that would be nice um and just ask me because it's just i think we need more of this in our lives and especially in our working lives you know our working spaces so i'm always really keen just to share some tips and ideas if people want to know a bit more fabulous thank you so much fiona thank you thanks for listening to this episode don't forget as well as these podcasts We deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io.